Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Mike Claiborne here, and we're going to talk a little NBA, talk a little basketball with Rob Fisher of the Memphis Grizzlies broadcast team. He's been doing that for a few years, and Fish, uh, some movement with regard to the NBA and what they're trying to do, and uh, it sounds like they're moving in the right direction, but I heard Michelle Roberts, the uh, head of the Players Association, she only felt like there was a better than even chance that there would be a, a season. What, what are you hearing at this point? Well, I'm hearing what you're hearing and what everybody else is hearing because, uh, you know, I think the league still, you know, still trying to figure out all the logistics and number one being safety of its players. Um, so then those things are reported and, and you get that. But, you know, I mean, even talking to Fox or talking to the people at the Grizzlies, it's, you know, you don't know much more because uh, it's kind of a, a situation that uh, every single day is is fluid and changing a little bit and there are different scenarios of how they're going to play different scenarios of where they're going to be uh, Walt Disney World announced today that they're gonna looks like they're gonna be opening July 11th so if the plan is Walt Disney World Resort I mean okay well how does that now figure into the plan so you know there's just so many questions to be answered and when you answer one there seems to be another one uh, that, that follows that so uh, they're working on it and uh, hopefully there's going to be an announcement in the next week or two and from all indication, though, it, it does sound positive that there will be basketball at some point, uh, and it's just a matter of you know figuring that out and making sure everyone can be safe in an environment together. And um, you know, and I'm sure we'll hear an announcement here in the next week or two. You know, what's also interesting about it, and you, you touched on it. Once you have one answer, there's two more questions that come with it. And I think Damon yeah. Lillard uh, early this week said, you know, if we're not in playoffs, there's no sense for me playing. Which opens up another can of worms that I think that people say, well, yeah, you have a point there, but still in all, you, you know, you're a professional and this is your job and, and, you know, you're needed to do it. And it's not the league's fault and it's not the fans' fault. It's no one's fault that Portland's not a better team. Maybe, you know, you yeah. look in the mirror and say, well, maybe he could have been better. But to say that there's a risk now, I, I'm not sure if, if, if I'm buying in all of that as well. So there, there's so many other underlying issues that go into it. But what do you think will be the biggest issue that they're going to have to address? Well, how, how the format's going to be played going forward. Um, you know, for example, the team that I work with, the Grizzlies, you know, they have that three and a half game lead on that eighth spot, but their schedule down the stretch was brutal, uh, including a three game stretch right out, right out of the gate of Portland, Utah, San Antonio, uh, at the time, all on the road. Obviously, home and road is going to be changed in this whole scenario, but I think what their hope is to basically make it worth everyone's while. I mean, and, and almost the only way to do that is to finish off the rest of the season and play the final, for the Grizzlies at least, 17 games. Because, Or, if you're not going to do that, you have to make it worth a shot where there could be a play-in for a playoff spot. I mean, you have to give everybody a chance to make it worth it. Uh, you come back and you have individual workouts for two, three weeks, and then you have a training camp for two, three weeks. Now, all of a sudden, you've worked six weeks and you're going to go play one game or go play four games that don't matter. I mean, I think that's a problem with starting the playoffs right out of the gate, too. Yeah. You're talking about training six weeks, and what if you're swept in four? I mean, was it really worth it? Did it really feel like anything was there? So I think they want to come up with some format where it's it's worth it for the team to be there, and that's really difficult right now. You start looking at soccer scenarios, and, and boy, first of all, we're going to have to make sense of that. 
uh, how that works. Let me know Ruth how that Sage. works out. I, I've never been able to figure that out. <laughs> I mean, I only know that every four years. So, uh, you know, group stages, things like that. So I, I think that's the toughest thing is trying to figure out how to make it worth it to have a month of training to make it worth it to play. Um, you know, you can't just be, it can't be like an NCAA tournament format. You're eliminated in one game. Well, that, that's crazy to go through all of that for one game. And, and we know how different it's going to be too. And you don't want to put the teams like the Lakers at risk in a one game situation. You, you certainly can't do that with them. Uh, don't want to do that with them. And, you know, with no crowd, no home court advantage, it's, it's we're just treading into the world of unknown and so you don't want to completely screw up the advantages that these teams built through the first, you know, 65 games of the season. You know, I, I think the playoff or play-in format would work. Uh, you'd have to be creative, but I think you give everybody yeah. a chance to get in. And if and, unless yeah. you're like the Golden State Warriors, and even them, I mean, you, you have to create some sort of incentive but I think you can do a play-in format and everybody has a reason to play. And, and you may be able to do that in a preliminary round before everybody else starts to beat their brains out for the playoffs. But I, I think I'd like to see something along that line. And every other team, yeah. instead of trying to play 17 meaningless games, maybe every team plays five games just to get themselves right. tuned up for the playoffs. And, you right. know, the other games for the other teams mean something as far as you know, trying to get into postseason. So, I, I you know, the, Rob, as you know, we're, we're throwing this stuff on the wall every day. And, and <laughs> right. some of it sticks. Some of it is a good idea. Some of it you have to massage a little bit. But I think that's why the NBA has kind of been one of the leaders as far as creativity in sports. And you've been around the NBA for a long time now. And I, I'm sure you've seen it. And, and what have you come to appreciate most about how they do do their business? Well, I think they're always a step ahead. Uh, the thing that I appreciate about the NBA more than I think I see in other leagues is they're not reactionary. They're very proactive. Um, whether it's things within the game or whether it's things outside of the game. I mean, we know that just disaster the National Football League was for a couple of years regarding domestic abuse. I mean, it was it, it was terrible, terrible how the NFL went about their business and, and the image of the NFL was terrible. The NBA has been proactive on everything. And, you know, going back, Adam Silver, who took over for David Stern, and Stern regarded as one of the great commissioners in all of sports of all time. And you bring in Adam Silver, and the first thing he had to deal with was the Donald Sterling situation and was very proactive on that and got a lot of uh, credit for how he handled the situation, how the NBA handled that situation. And and then going through this as well, to shut down the league and uh, you know, not to wait to, to make the decision when they did and the first pro sports league to just shut it down. And uh, I think they want to be the first to come back. And But they they, they do everything very carefully. And, and when they do it, they do it right. Uh, that's what's impressed me about the NBA from David Stern now to Adam Silver. The, the NBA seems in a good place. And, you know, you mentioned Michelle Roberts before. I mean, the relationship with Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts is always open. And it's always very, it feels very positive. Even when there's a bump in the road, they talk. They, they're still talking. It's, it's never, a, you know, just shut it off. And, you know, the, the welfare of the league is very good. The CBA is very good. And players are happy. And the, the league keeps becoming more and more global. I mean, it's such a proactive league that, in my mind, continues to grow. 
You know, when you talk about the league overall, I, I, I'll tell you another uh, moment I thought the league really stepped up in front of everyone else. Uh, you go back to the Colin Kaepernick situation and, and how there were a lot of issues that it cost him his career. Uh, you didn't have one player in the NBA take a knee. Uh, because Adam Silver got out in front and made sure that the players were going to have a voice, and they became very community-involved, probably as community-involved as any sport we have within this country. But that that's something that I think really stood out, the fact that this is a league that's, what, 80% African-American, and uh, you didn't have one protest, you didn't have anything that was remotely something that was going to be deemed uh, divisive, uh, that you didn't nope. have it, and I think that nope. you, you tip your cap to him, and he still allowed his players to speak their mind. I mean, LeBron's been at the front of a lot of different issues, some of them basketball, some of them social, but I, I just think the, the the relationship the players and certainly the, the league has right now is, is certainly an example that a lot of other people might want to take a look at. I, I, thought, I thought it was really impressive, and you mentioned the Colin Kaepernick situation, and yeah, you know, the NBA season started right after that. And, and you wondered, uh, you wonder what it would be like. And, um, you know, there were some teams that locked arms or some teams put their arms around each other or held hands. Or, and there were things like that. But, but you know, the real statement was made at, was it the ESPYs, the award show? when yeah. You know, Dwayne Wade and LeBron and, and those guys, and, and they stood up. And, and, I mean, the NBA players, David, or Adam Silver never made it a rule that you couldn't take a knee. You know, it, it was it was there was never a contentious argument between players and owners of, you know, what you can and can't do. It was, as you said, it was conversation that the commissioner had with players and I'm sure told them it might be in your best interest not to. But you know what? Let's take action another way. And the NBA players have done a great job of taking action in so many things with the NBA cares program that, you know, the guys are, are so involved in. And they want to be part of the community. And Adam Silver wants them to be a voice in the community and wants them to be role models and wants them to be people, you know, that, that speak up uh, against things that speak for things that they believe in and or speak out against things that they don't. And, and he encourages that. And I, I think that's been a great thing in the league too, because it keeps that relationship so strong with the players and the owners I mean, players in the NFL. I, I don't know if they fear Roger Goodell, but they certainly know they have no say Listen, in, in the end. They can, they can barely, the end, they, have a say. they can barely organize a huddle let alone anything else in the NFL. You know, the the one thing that they did have a bump in the road with was uh, when Daryl Morey made his comments about how China does its business and, you know, Adam Silver had to step in. And, you know, they took the hit and and maybe they'll take a bigger hit down the road. But again, they were unified in how they approached it. And, you know, when you mess with one, you mess with the whole league. And it's something that is certainly commendable. Hey, I wanted to ask you, if, if the season is over, uh, who is your MVP? Uh, who did you enjoy watching this year? Because you guys had a big enough sample size to know who was good and who wasn't. Yeah. So give me some thoughts on some players that really kind of emerged in your opinion. Oh, man, I, I think the MVP is probably Giannis Antetokounmpo just because of how, how great of a player he is and how he's one of those guys that he'll get it. And then all of a sudden he's going to be too good every year that he won't get it again because mm-hmm. you just like, you know, Kobe got one, <laughs> yeah. which is just insane, you know? Uh, so I think Antetokounmpo's on that path. But for me, man, I, I find it very hard not to vote for LeBron for MVP. I agree. 
Yeah. I mean, what he's doing at this point of his career and, you know, people last year of, oh, well, father time and, you know, the injury, it's a pretty serious injury and they didn't make the playoffs and, you know, they had Anthony Davis, sure, but LeBron has been the superstar and and his numbers across the board, you know, no one at his age has ever done the numbers that he's putting up. No one at his age has ever had double-digit assists in a season and he's, he's averaging over double-digit assists plus the defense that he's playing. I mean, he, he, he should get something if it's, if it's not the MVP, it's, he, he needs something because he, uh, he's been spectacular this year. He's, I, I, I can see a he's, co-MVP. Evol- he's evolved as a player, man. I mean, you yeah. remember those old Atlanta Braves pitchers, the older they got, the better they got because yeah. they learned how to pitch and he's learning how to be a superstar basketball player, re- reinventing his game. You know, I, I think when you look at those two, and I think you you made an interesting point about uh, Anthony Davis being on the team. Giannis would have a slight edge because he doesn't have a, a name player. Now there's some guys on that team that everybody in the league knows, but Anthony sure. Davis is one of the five best players in the game. I mean, he's almost unguardable. He's very good defensively, and he can handle the ball. You know, he's he's a good player, and that's probably the one advantage LeBron has over. Giannis, sure. but man, you know what? If they said it's a tie, I can live with that. I, I'm not. A, I don't. Yeah, have a no doubt. With it. What yeah, about? I, I wrote a. I wrote a piece that was on Claves Online uh, maybe a month ago about the awards and and, and said so the same thing. And I think a guy that deserves some some credit for a potential MVP award is Anthony Davis. I mean, LeBron was on the Lakers last year and they didn't make the playoffs, and he, he missed a lot of time at the end. But he, they were out of the playoffs when LeBron got hurt. Anthony Davis comes in and they're the best team in the league. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Davis needs a little more credit because his defensive ability as well makes him so valuable to that team. Um, what about coach of the year? Boy, it's tough, man. There are so many, so many good ones. Oh gosh. Uh, I mean, I, again, I think a guy who probably wouldn't win it, but deserves some recognition is Frank Vogel. I mean, if if you just watched The Last Dance, I think you got a better appreciation of Phil Jackson if mm-hmm. you didn't have appreciation beforehand. Because to to coach that sort of talent with that sort of expectation and the egos, not only on the team that they have, but on that coaching staff that they have. Yeah, I with Jason Kidd. Yeah, no, I, that's Jason a great Kidd, point. Lionel Hollins, a lot of you know former head coaches who could still be head coaches today. I, that's. That's a difficult staff to manage. So I think Frank Vogel deserves a lot of credit. I think Nick Nurse in Toronto uh, is a guy who's done a great job. Uh, Budenholzer, again, in Milwaukee. I mean, what they've done has been incredible. Eric Spolstra, I I think he is a guy that I'd probably vote for as the coach of the year with the Miami Heat. No one expected Miami to be in the situation that they're in and picking up Jimmy Butler, a guy that has had problems with coaches in the past. Spolstra doing a great job with that team and, making them a contender in the East. Yeah, it's it's going to be obviously a season we won't soon forget um, as far as how things have gone so far. So where do you see this <laughs> league going? I mean, you know, they don't have a – they're going to have a draft. They're going to have a lottery. Uh, yeah. But where do you see this league going next? Because when they do something, they always have something that they can – you know, hang their hat on as far as reinventing something or creating a new opportunity to create interest. What do you see the next thing being, perhaps? Well, I think the next big thing is, has been caused by this pandemic, and that's going to be the season starting next year on Christmas. Um, you know, I mean, when's the last time that a season of any sport 
changed their calendar drastically other than golf, you know, a few years back, but for the NBA to possibly, you know, change and be forced to do it next year, but look at it, evaluate it. And, you know, if you do it next year, well, I mean, how are you going to start sooner the following year? So to move your schedule from middle of October to Christmas day, when college football is essentially done, except for the playoffs and the NFL now is in its playoffs to start your season then, and then to only be competing against baseball in June, July, and August, it'd be very interesting to see how that will work for the NBA. But it's something that was discussed in the past and now being forced to do it because of the pandemic. I, I think it's something that is going to be interesting to watch going forward. And this was a league that only had one game on Christmas Day a few years ago, and you would always <laughs> see a game in Phoenix and now they have as many as five or six on Christmas Day and starting their season. Yeah. This, again, goes back to the fact that they have been very proactive uh, with regard to um, the, the way they present their sport. Yeah. They, they own Christmas Day right now. They do. The There's NBA no doubt. There's no it's doubt. It's been great. So give me a good NBA story from this year. I mean, well, let me ask you this. Give me your thoughts on uh, The Last Dance. Now, granted, that was before your time, but I'm sure that <laughs> you've been around enough guys who can tell you stories about players of yesteryear and, and and maybe even players of today. So give me your thoughts on, on The Last Dance. Yeah, I, I mean, I was in my late teens and early 20s, and I just wasn't a huge NBA fan back then. I, you know, being growing up in St. Louis, I was a hockey fan. I was a blues fan. and. But I watched the playoffs and I watched Jordan and through the years I've learned the stories and heard the stories and but to watch the last dance was pretty cool. And to have that access, you know, and I'm lucky enough to have access to a team and be in the locker room and be on the bus and be on the team plane and you know, those 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 things those are things that you know, anyone who ever played sports and, and I was lucky enough to play into college, that you know, those are the things you miss. So to see that at a professional level uh, Michael Jordan playing, you know, games for money with the the security guys flipping coins against the wall. I mean, that's that's stuff that you kind of enjoy that you don't have access to, and and to have that access to that team uh, was was quite incredible. I the thing uh, the, the things that I really took away that shocked me was just how vocally they hated Jerry Krause. I mean, my goodness, that was. Yeah. Uh, un- unbelievable how vocal that was and, and how open it was, how much they hated him. And the other thing that got me was the scores of these games. I mean, you're talking about the greatest team of all time, possibly with the greatest player of all time. And they're winning games like 83 to 77 and he's scoring 40. I mean, how many would he score in a game in today's NBA when scores are at 130 and 120 and not 83? Well, it would be it'd be incredible. And, and the other thing too, and this might be crazy, and maybe it's just a key to the moment thought, but Scottie Pippen in today's NBA might be the best player on the planet. You know who he reminds me of is a smaller version of Kawhi Leonard. Yes, you know can do With, a lot of different. And you things. know. And to the ability, I mean, he could be a point guard and with that ability to shoot the three at his size, he could guard anybody on the floor. And with his defensive ability, I mean, he, he, he'd be as good as anybody in the league. It's not the best player. Tell you what the, what that show also provided. It proved that those guys are better dressers than players of today. <laughs> they 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 dress the, like the they broadcasters were actually, too. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, those, are the, the, but you know, the, you look at some of those guys, and you see guys. They show up to the arena now, like you know, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to going to go perform as a clown at my kid's birthday party. <laughs> 
back then guys took pride in dressing and I know the league tried to do something about it a few years ago but they kind of relaxed that a little bit Munganass St. Louis Acura would like to extend a huge thank you to our healthcare workers and first responders by offering them several service specials including a free interior detail cleaning you can call them today to make your appointment and let them help you while you are helping our community. Find them online at stlouisacura.com or give them a call 314-822-2872 for Munganass St. Louis Acura. We love talking to the president and chairman of Ameren, Illinois. He is Richard Mark. Emergency Operations Center acts as kind of a central command center, and everything is dictated from there. They tell the crews that are out in the field where to go, where the main breakers are to go to to de-energize the line, and then they verify that that line is closed, and they're able to tell five, six, seven hundred people that are working out in the field exactly where to go to make the proper repairs to get our system back on in a storm situation. Here's my final question for you. Aside from the guys on the Memphis Grizzlies, who's the one player you look forward to watching because you've got the close-up view? I mean, you're right there at courtside. Who's the one person that you still look forward to watching and you watch games every night? Oh, man. I mean, it's still LeBron. Um, If any chance to watch him play, it's just it's it's incredible. I mean, he's he's different than everybody else. He just is. Um, Steph Curry is another one of those guys. Uh, just his ability to shoot the ball, his ability to put the ball on a string and just create a shot from anywhere in the gym is it's it's incredible to watch. I mean, let's not forget it, it wasn't long ago that we were talking about Steph Curry changed the NBA and changed how kids play today. And that's still the case. I mean, you, you go to any kid's gym and watch basketball, and they got their – it's like Iverson. When Iverson was in, they got their arm sleeve on now, and they're shooting from Curry positions, which is insane. So watching him play is it's, – it's a treat. He's, he's something else. And Harden – Harden's incredible to watch, but he's maddening. Yeah, you just don't understand how he does it, and you think he cheats. Yeah, well, I, I think he does, and I don't think he's a winning player. You know, you you mentioned no, Curry. I agree with that. You mentioned Curry. I think Curry was a guy who came along in an era of high flying guys in in mammoth uh, forwards. He gave the little guy hope. He gave that kid yep. who can who works on his jump shot and shooting free throws. He gave them hope. But I, I think that that and the fact that. He's really good at the fundamentals. He can handle the ball. You know, think about it, Rob. How many guys we talk about who we say, yeah, he doesn't have any handles, which is why he can't play. You know, he does all the little things extremely well, but he he gave a whole new generation of kids hope that they could someday play basketball at a higher level. Well, and I think the key that you said, number one, if you can shoot, you can make it. But his handles also, and and kids replicating what he does with the basketball is, I mean, that's, that's huge in today's NBA. Curry also came along at a time where defense was kind of optional, you know, and, and that, 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 that made it better too because it really opened things up for shooters to be able to make the league, and then the league started to transition to basically everybody's going to shoot threes, even big guys. Marcus All's out there shooting threes for the Raptors. And, um, you know, so, so you're getting that sort of play now. If you don't shoot a three as a big guy, you're kind of uh, – you know, you could be left on an island a lot of times. So 
it's uh, it, it's changed the game, and I think Curry was a big part of that. Clay Thompson, I mean, those those guys at Golden State, mm. they were all interchangeable. It brought it brought about interchangeable basketball, you know, interchangeable positions. Yeah, yeah. Curry, Curry, Clay, their center is Draymond. He can play point guard. I mean, you know, you can interchange all five guys, and that's kind of the way the NBA's gone. You know, I saw a thing the other day where they had Draymond as one of the all time greatest Golden State Warriors, and I'm saying to myself, hold on. You got Draymond's. Does anybody remember Rick Barry? <laughs> I know you do. I mean, but I mean everybody else. Yeah, I, I, mean, I remember Rick Barry. Uh, you know, I told that story a few few weeks ago. Somebody was talking about it, and I brought up that story. They asked me to tell the story, so why don't you tell the story for our listeners who haven't heard about your encounter? And you've encountered some of the greats. I know you and your good friend Walt Frazier are pretty close, and some other people that you've gotten <laughs> right. to know. But give us the Rick Barry story before your NBA peril. We were at Bell Reeve Country Club the last time the PGA Championship was here. Not this previous time, the last time. Uh, what was that, 91? Is that right? 92, 91, I believe. 90, yeah, 91, 92. Yeah. And uh, we were at Bell Reeve, and it was uh, media day or whatever, the pro-am thing, and, and you had me out, and uh, you were playing, and I was playing, and I, I, I hadn't played much golf in my life. I'll just be honest. But I was out there, wanted to see the golf course, hang out with Mike Claiborne all day. I mean, what could be better? Beautiful day. Everything's great. Well, our celebrity pro doesn't show up. So we get through about five holes. And on the sixth hole, this cart comes rolling up with this humongously tall, large man that can barely fit in a golf cart. And he gets off the golf cart, and it's Rick Barry. And he starts swinging this club, and this club looks about as long as I am. I mean, it's just a long club. And I had heard stories that Rick Barry was like a long drive competitor and really good golfer. I also heard stories that Rick Barry was a jerk. So I didn't know what to expect. But Mm -hmm. most times you hear stories about guys being a jerk, and you play golf or something, you get a new respect for him. You see him as a person, and you're like, oh, I like this guy. You know, whatever. So uh, I'm I'm starting to freak out a little bit because I'm thinking, all right, now i got to play in front of someone I don't know. And if I'm really bad, you know, claims you don't care. But what no. if this guy cares? So my first shot, I tee it up, and I'm hitting the drive, and I'm terrified, and I hit it, and I just like I, just a pee, a heat sick missile, knocked a tar right down out of the middle. It. Yes, just right, right, could right not down hit it any better. No, our best shot of the day, best shot probably of my life. I was about point. to say that. that 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 would be a top five for sure. <laughs> And I turn around and I kind of put my arms in the air as if to say, how about that, Rick Barry? I don't say that, but that's pretty much the look that I give. And Rick Barry, without breaking stride, swinging his club, just warming up, kind of looks and goes, nice shot, kid, but uh, we're playing that fairway over there. And, and at that point, the temperature on the golf course dropped like 20 degrees because we knew that we had heard that Rick Barry could be a difficult chap. That's the guy we got that afternoon. Although he was he was cool after that, but, but I mean, he got off on the wrong foot because we all just kind of looked at each other because we were excited that you, 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 you hit it well. And Rick just let all the air out of the balloon, man. He's, yeah, that's a nice I, I shot. Was- I was 20 years old, man, and after that, I, I, could, I don't think I spoke another word or hit another decent shot the rest of the day. I mean, it, it, it was it stuck with Rob so long, folks, that like when they would even bring up Rick Barry, he would just, you know, didn't like the NBA. Didn't like the NBA because of Rick Barry at one point. 
That's right. Man shot free throws underhanded. Come on. Yeah, come on, man. You can do better than that. You can do better than that. Man, it's always good to chat with you. I'm excited for you, and I'm so proud of you and what you've done in your career. Uh, stay safe in Memphis, and uh, hopefully we will see you doing something when this game returns and sometime in July. And, and you know, here's the other thing, Rob, that, that – we, we need to pay attention to it. Maybe Major League Baseball might be really want to pay attention to this. When July rolls around, baseball's kind of had it to themselves. They're going to have the NBA, the most creative league in sports. They're going to have the NHL. They're going to have Major League Baseball if Major League Baseball gets it. And if they take a powder and not play, the NBA might take over as far as exposure is concerned because once they get the scent that there's an opportunity to be had – they don't mess it up very often. So it, it would behoove Major League Baseball to pull it together quick. And you better be creative when you come back because July and August and probably September are going to be very interesting months in how we start to formulate yep. our opinions on watching sports. Well, and, and I think it's, you know, it'll be really weird to watch sports without that crowd noise and everything. And it's going to be, t- it's, it's going to take a while to adjust to it. But I think for the NBA, it could be a positive in which. You know, to hear those players in a setting like that where there's no crowd and it's just kind of scrimmaging against each other, I think it's going to get heated. I think it's going to, guys are going to be in each other's faces. And if they allow microphones on that floor, I think it could be entertaining as all heck. And I, agree. Uh, I think that I think that could be good for the NBA. I was saying on a show this morning, I wish before games they'd put up a disclaimer that says for mature audiences because of mature language. And just play. Let's get after it. Yeah, let's and, just play. And see these, see these guys get after each other. And I, I think it'd be up close and personal, and it'd be a real different perspective on how physical and how entertaining the NBA can be. Hey, who's the biggest trash talker? Chris Paul. Hmm, interesting. Chris Paul, who said one of the great things when Mark Ivoroni was the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, and he lasted a year and a half. He was the next big thing, and he was terrible from day one. And the players never respected him or anything. It was unbelievable. It was the first huddle. He was the first coach I ever like was in a huddle for. And I was like, "Is this how it really is?" I was asking Brevin Knight. He's like, "No, this is this, not normal." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Cause man, they don't listen to him at all." But uh, Mark Ivoroni one night, Chris Paul knocks down a three in Ivoroni's face, and he looks at him and he says, "You better call timeout, coach." And Ivoroni calls a timeout, which I was really disappointed that he did that. And then later, Paul hit another three right in Ivoroni's face, turned around and said, I'm getting you fired tonight. <laughs> like, man, that is harsh. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Hey, so, Fish. Yeah, Chris Paul, he'll, he'll speak up for sure. Well, you know, he's, you know what? He's a guy that's learned how to wear out his welcome with teammates in cities as well. Uh, I get it, and he still finds a way to be the executive director of the Players Association or the president of the Players Association. So he walks the walk yep. and talks the talk. Hey, man, thanks and again. He's gonna, and he's, he's going to be one of the great players to finish the game. We'll never, we'll never have a championship. You're absolutely right. I, nope. I couldn't agree with you more. Hey, man, stay safe, and we appreciate you being part of ClavesOnline.com, and uh, hopefully we'll see you up and down the sidelines before you know it. Sounds great. Anytime, Claves. Love you, man. He's Rob Fisher, I'm Mike Claiborne, and love you too.